0: welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Great to have you here and uh, as you're watching online, I just believe the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us this morning and I've got a word from God today and I want to continue with that theme of zooming out, not zooming in and you know, being frustrated with the issues and you know, some of the, uh, the disturbances of what we're having to deal with right now, but actually zooming out and there's a great passage in Genesis chapter 25 that I believe kind of ties this whole idea together. Just before I get to preaching, next week we're going to spend a two-week series on talking about legacy and uh, we're kind of going to give our- ourselves a progress report of where we are in terms of our legacy build. You know, over the last 12 to 18 months, Even though it's been COVID, and even though there's been selective shutdowns across the nation uh, we've still been able to do what god has called us to do so i'm going to talk to you about that and give you an update i think it's important uh, when it comes to vision when it comes to you know uh, talking about the dreams and the promises of where we're going it is important not just to present the vision but it's important to also give updates as well to the vision to see that we're on track we're doing what God has called us to do. We are stewarding the responsibilities of finances and time and the efforts of people in the correct manner. And so we're going to be doing that over the next two weeks. It's going to be absolutely exciting. Genesis chapter 25 is just a really great scripture that I believe is an encouragement to us as we zoom out to actually often in life get a bigger perspective about what God is doing in our lives, and you know, as I began to think about that, I just began to think about all the different prayers in the Word of God. You know, the Word of God has got so many inspirational prayers. Uh, you know, I think about the prayer of Jabez, that again has kind of gained notoriety with a guy that wrote a book on the prayer of Jabez in First Chronicles. But you know, Jabez makes this great statement when he's praying, and really, he's quite an obscure character. In the word of God. But he just makes this great statement. It's one of the great prayers in the word of God. Where he says, oh God that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. I'm at you. But that's a great inspirational prayer. I think about the prayer that Elisha prayed over the dead boy. And as he comes with a double portion of the anointing that he received from Elijah. The Bible says that he's laid his hands on the boy. And he prayed for him. The boy came back to life. I mean, that is a great inspirational moment of prayer. I think about Jesus, the prayers that Jesus prayed. I mean, the, the, the most famous one, the Lord's Prayer, when his disciples come to him and they say, hey, Lord, teach us how to pray. I find that really interesting. And the reality was that they lived in an environment where they saw people pray. They saw the Pharisees pray and the Sadducees pray. But they saw that their prayers had no power. And so they come to Jesus and they say, God, teach us the way that you pray because we know that when you pray, things happen. I mean, that is a great inspirational prayer. I mean, Paul himself prayed a lot of inspirational prayers. I think about the way he talks about praying for the church in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 to 18. Great passage on the way that Paul prays. And he says this, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And I love this. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I mean, come on, church, that is a great prayer to pray. Whatever season in life you're in, I pray that the eyes of your heart, May be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. What a phenomenal prayer. Now there's another prayer in the Bible that we often don't preach about. That I would say personally for me, it would have to be up there in one of my top 10 prayers. And it's only mentioned once and it's only mentioned briefly But it's a prayer that I believe changed the course of history in the early Old Testament narrative. And we're going to have a look at that today. And it says this in Genesis chapter 25 verse 19. It says this, this is the account of the family line of Abraham's son Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac and Isaac was 40 years old. When he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean... "'Padam, Aram, and Siddha of Laban, of Aramim. "'Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife "'because she was childless. "'The Lord answered his prayer, "'and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. "'The babies jostled each other within her, "'and she said, why is this happening to me? "'And so she went to inquire of the Lord. "'And the Lord said to her, "'Two nations are in your womb. two peoples from within you will be separated.' One of the people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. And when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. Church, you think about it. The beginning of two nations that came about because of answered prayer. I mean, if there was ever a passage that would talk about the significance of prayer, this would have to be it. But I think if we just stopped about the prayer, I think we'd miss the bigger picture because in reality was, there was a bigger picture here. If we were to zoom out and to see what was going on, God was doing something larger at work here. And this is what I want to talk to you about today for a few moments. You see, this is not just about answered prayers. There is more to what's going on to this passage. That There's a pattern here in the Old Testament that we're seeing unfolding again, that you can only ever see when you actually zoom out. And I guess the challenge for us today, it does challenge us to think differently about when we're dealing with difficult situations. It challenges us to think differently, to think wider, when we're dealing with barren seasons of our life, when we're dealing with unproductive moments, when we're dealing with desert experiences, to think wider about what God is actually doing. And you know, when you think about this, the Bible says that Rebecca was barren. You think about our own barren seasons that we go through, maybe right now, during COVID, you're going through a barren season. Maybe you're going through an unproductive and, a, and, and an unfruitful moment in your life. You know, many times when we're dealing with our own personal needs, and this was a very personal need for Isaac and Rebecca, When we're dealing with our own personal needs that are unmet, things that are unfulfilled, things that we have been believing God for that are not really working, I think we can get so discouraged in those moments because we just seem to lock into that thing and we lock into that area that's not working and we lock into that discouragement about why God aren't you blessing me and why God aren't you bringing change in our life. And often we can get so locked in that we fail to see the bigger picture of what God is actually doing. That maybe something else is going on. Maybe in that moment of frustration, God has got a bigger plan. God hasn't left us. God hasn't walked away. But he's been there all along. It's like I spoke last week about the Apostle Paul. He talked about being shipwrecked three times. I don't know about you, but just once would have been enough for me. And that that the average person probably would have gone, well, where's God? I'm being obedient. I'm following the purpose of God for my life. I'm preaching the gospel. And not once, not twice, but three times, every time I jump on a boat, I just seem to have bad luck. But Paul has a different mindset. And it's the lesson that we see here in the Old Testament. Because if we were to zoom out of this scenario... And think about the process of events here. It's not just about what's happening in Isaac's and Rebecca's life. I mean, think about the process. Rebecca uh, is barren. It creates a response in Isaac to seek God. And God uses that prayer, He uses Isaac's prayer. I mean, God could have used anything in his whole generational blessing when it comes to Abraham. But God uses Isaac's prayer to actually bring about the birth of two nations. And there's this idea in the Word of God that because of a need, Isaac steps up to the plate. And God uses that scenario to invite Isaac into his master plan to continue the promises of Abraham Further on, well past Isaac's life. And the point is this about this passage. It is so much more than a passage about answered prayer. Church prayer is never about the prayer. It's never about the immediate need. There is always something else that is going on. There's always a challenge for God's people to activate, to rise to the challenge, to walk in the spiritual authority that God has given them to be like, to stand in the gap and to understand the responsibility that God has given us as his people. And this is the unfolding promise of God, not just to Isaac, but to Abraham and to all that would go before him. And this is my point, who would have ever thought that a pressing personal need actually was part of God's bigger plan for his people? And in Rebecca's barrenness, Isaac is driven to pray. He could have said, Where's God? I can't believe that God is not faithful to us. But in that need, that situation, Isaac was driven to pray. And the result was that two nations were born. A problem, a need, a desperate situation that creates a behavior in people. To outwork the promise of God, not just for his generation, but for those that went before him and those that are going to go after him. And in the end, Isaac and Rebekah have achieved the outcome that God has always intended for them to achieve. But God invited them to be part of the process because he's such a kind and loving God. I just think, church, that we just get locked into our discouragement and our issue and our problem. We fail to see that God uses all things together for good. That God uses every barren season, every challenge, every difficulty. That there is a master plan in our lives. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are deeper than our thoughts. There's something that God is always doing in our lives. You you want to have a New Testament example of this? Look at Elizabeth. And John the Baptist in Luke chapter one, verse six, the Bible says that when it came to Elizabeth and her husband that though they were faithful, she was barren and she was old in years it 's kind of a bit of an oxymoron isn 't it? How can you be faithful to the things of God but be barren at the same time? And yet the Bible says this about the timing of Jesus in Galatians chapter four and verse four. it says that Jesus was born at the right time it was not by coincidence that he was born on the day on the hour in the year that he was born the bible says that when the time set had fully come god sent his son born of a woman born under the law and this is my point if jesus was born at the right time it means that john the baptist was born at the right time as well in order to be a forerunner to what christ was doing So even though those years that Elizabeth was believing for a child looked like a barren season and nothing was happening, listen, God had a master plan. God was doing something bigger. God was not just giving her a son, but God was giving her a world changer. Someone who would shift things and prepare the way for the Son of God to come. You know, we can zoom in and say, well, it's a terrible problem that I'm going through. We can zoom in and say, well, who started this and whose fault is this and why this is happening? I think so many times in life we we just are asking the wrong questions. We can often just say, well, why didn't I pick this up earlier and why do I have to go through this again? But it doesn't matter today. These are not the right questions. The question we have to ask ourselves is what is God doing in the midst of my barrenness? What is God achieving in the life of his people? That's the bigger encouragement here. It's kind of the revelation that, you know, Joseph got to at the end of his life in Genesis chapter 50 verse 20 when his brothers come to see him again and they don't recognise who he is and he reveals himself to them and he begins to talk about how God's hand was upon it all. Look what he says in verse 19. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm him. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. You know, the author Max Licata makes this great point. And he says, Joseph told his brothers using a Hebrew verb that traces its meaning to the word weave. In other words, he was saying, you wove evil. But God has rewoven it together for good. And as you look in the old and the New Testament church, listen, there is a weaving of God's plan that is never frustrated, that never stops. It just keeps going. There is a reweaving. It is an undoing at times of what the enemy tried to do and a we-weaving of a greater purpose and a greater plan. And even in your life right now, It's never a straight path. But there's always a weaving of God's purpose and God's desires and God allowing you and I to go through seasons of challenge and barrenness so that he can actually use us as part of his master plan. The second point is this. Is that up to this point, if you think about it, Isaac was really a passive observer of what was going on. You you could almost say that Isaac was the recipient of the promise. He is the recipient, the embodiment of God's promise to Abraham. You could even say that Isaac is the result of Abraham's faith. Isaac is the result of Abraham's faithfulness. Isaac is the result of Abraham's tenacity in holding on to the promises of God. But in this passage, I see a line in the sand is drawn. I see that something shifted in Isaac's life where he's no longer just a passive recipient of God's promises. He is now an active participant of God's plan for his people. Just this simple phrase, Isaac prayed for his wife, shifts everything in Isaac's life. You know, that word there speaks about godly men and women Godly men and women that have sold their lives out for the things of God. Having this incredible influence in seeking the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And you know, today church, as we were to zoom out, I could begin to think about us as a church. I began to think about the individual people in our church. I began to think about people that have been part of the life of this house. Many of us, if not all of us, at some stage and season have been the recipients of the kindness of God. We've been the recipients of the kindness of other people, people that have stood in the gap for us, people that have prayed for us. Maybe you've been the recipient of kindness, good culture, faithfulness, people giving you a go. Been the recipients maybe of a godly heritage or maybe people that went out of their way for you or spoke a kind word to you or, or, or prayed for you when you didn't even know it. And when we zoom out of our issue, and we zoom out and we begin to see the people and the God of the universe that have helped us throughout life's journey, we begin to get a different perspective of what we are actually dealing with. Zooming out makes it so much more sense. It becomes about the people that believed in you, the people that stood in the gap for you. The people that helped you, the people that gave you a kind word, the people that prayed for you, the people that prayed for you when you didn't even know it, the God of heaven who has protected you when you didn't even realise it. Listen, I'm here today, not because of my own ability, but because of my parents who prayed for me when I was just a young boy. I'm here today because people, that gave me a chance, an opportunity, Pastor Allen Pastor Russell and a whole bunch of other people that have just invested into my life in our walk with Christ. We've been the recipients of grace, haven't we? We've been the recipients of God's favour, His kindness, His anointing over our lives. And the point is this, there comes a time, like in Isaac's life, where we no longer become recipients but we actually become participators of God's great plan for humanity. There comes a line in the sand that you cross. So, you know, I'm just not going to keep zoning in on my problems and my issues. But I'm going to understand that I stand here today because of what God has done in my life, not because there's anything good in me, but because of the grace and the favour of God. And like Isaac, God wants to use all of that promise and all of that blessing And all of that standing in the gap to do something good out of me, to actually bless the lives of other people. It's the very call of the Christian call, isn't it? Just to not only be recipients of grace, but to pour grace out wherever we go. The third one is this, and I'll finish with this. Is that as we zoom out, we actually see that God had a different pathway for Isaac than what he actually did for Abraham. And you know, this is so powerful. You know, there's no record, and maybe he did, but there's no record of Abraham ever praying for Sarah to get pregnant. He prayed for other people to have kids. Right? Well, there's another account of that. But he actually never prayed for his own wife. I mean, how crazy is that? Why? Because Abraham had a different pathway. The Bible says he just believed God and accounted to him as righteous. God had promised him stuff. God spoke to him about what he was going to do. Abraham just believed God and there is there a different pathway and journey that Abraham had with his heavenly father. God gave him promises and dreams and visions and did a covenant with Abraham, a completely different pathway. We look at the way that Abraham outworked his faith. I mean, if anything, Abraham's faith was demonstrative. It was like massive, it was significant. I mean, it was so powerful in the Word of God. God challenges him to give up his only son. And we see that Abraham takes not a day's journey, but a number of days' journey to get to the top of the mountain. He's about to kill his son. The angel says no. I mean, the whole pathway of Abraham is completely different to the pathway of Isaac. And yet Isaac's pathway was not taking mountain steps of faith. Listen, Isaac's pathway was simply to pray for his family. Isaac's pathway was simply to pray for his wife, to take this very personal need and to take on that responsibility and to say, I'm going to do something about them, I'm going to stand in the gap. And this is the point, this is the point. Whether it was Abraham with all of his massive mountains of faith, or whether it was Isaac just simply being obedient to praying for his wife. At the end of the day, they still achieve the purpose of God for their life and there for their generation. And what we see here is that every now and then, if we can have the musicians come, what we see now is that every time the Bible talks about these great patriarchs of faith, it doesn't say just Abraham, but it says Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. In the Old and the New Testament, there's a continual line that continues on, not only because Abraham's big step of obedience, but also because of Isaac simply praying for his wife. I don't think we ever hear about that prayer again. It's never mentioned again, and maybe it is, but I couldn't find it as far as I can tell. But from that point onwards, in both the Old and the New Testament, there's a continuation of God's purpose through all generations. And whether it's the bigger act of obedience of Abraham or whether it's just standing in the gap, wrestling with God, it doesn't matter if you're doing what God has asked you to do. And my point is this, when you zoom out, when you zoom in, I think one of the dangers is is that you compare your journey to someone else's. You compare what you're going through with someone else. Why aren't they going through that? Why do I have to go through this? And where's God? And, you know, they're blessed and I'm not. That's what happens when we zoom in. Can I encourage you? Don't zoom in today. Don't compare your journey with someone else. Ask yourself the question, am I being obedient to what God has asked me to do? And even though their journeys were different, church, they still achieved the same purpose. They still were just as important as each other. They still arrived at the same conclusion that God used both and all of them in His most unique ways to fulfil His plan and His purpose for Israel's life. We cannot compare our journey to someone else. You know, there are three questions that I often ask myself that I want to leave this with you this morning. When it comes to zooming out and not getting caught up in the frustrations and the barrenness and the difficulties that I face, questions that keep me on track, questions that keep me engaged in God's purpose, questions that keep me in line where God has taken me. The first one is this Is that regardless of what I go through, am I still willing? Am I still willing? When I go through a shipwreck like the Apostle Paul, or when I've been beaten up emotionally, when I've just gone through some stuff that has been so difficult, the question as I ask myself is Am I still willing? Am I still willing to do what God has asked me to do? Am I still willing to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? Am I still willing to put myself out there regardless of all the stuff that I've gone through? Isaac was willing to get down on his knees. And intercede for his family am i still willing the second one is this is am i still being obedient right now so you can be willing oh i'd like to do that but not be obedient the question is am i being obedient right now am i living in obedience am i living in obedience to god's word Am I living in obedience to what Jesus Christ is asking for me personally? For Abraham, obedience was walking up the mountain of faith. For Isaac, obedience was simply standing the gap and praying for his family. And the question is, am I still being obedient right now? Or maybe these frustrations, the annoyances and all those things have just made me walk a path of disobedience. Listen, God can't bless you if you are not obedient to His Word. There is a linkage between His Word and being obedient to what God has asked you to do. Am I still being obedient right now? And the third one is this. Am I still trusting? With all the barrenness and all the shipwrecks and all the stuff that I deal with, am I still trusting God? Is there still trusting God that I may not know the bigger plan and there are some things that I'm going through that I may not really fully understand, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because I still trust Him. Like the book of Job says, though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. There's still a strength of trust in my life. Am I still trusting? Am I still willing? Am I still obedient right now? And am I still trusting? I just believe that these are great answers or great questions that just keep us on track and keep us focused on what God wants us to do. Can I encourage you again today, don't zoom into the frustration, zoom out. Zoom out and see what God actually wants to do. The good news is today is that because of Jesus Christ, because if you've given your life to Him, because of that new birth, that new spiritual birth, you can walk in all the promises that God has for you. And as Isaac was the promised son of Abraham, so Jesus is the promised son of God that came to you and I, who has the ability to turn our barrenness into fruitfulness, turn our our discouragement into blessing, because what He did for us on the cross the promised Son of God for you and I so that we can be blessed so that we can receive the fullness of what God all has done for us and today if you don't know God today if your life is not right with God if you've never received God's promised Son then I'm going to lead you in a prayer it's a prayer for you to find the Lord for yourself and today while you're sitting in a land room or wherever you may be as I pray this prayer I want you to repeat this prayer after me You say Holy Spirit today I want the Lord Jesus to come into my life. And as you pray to God and ask Him to come in, God is going to transform your life on the inside. If you want to receive all the fullness of what God has promised from the the Old all the way to the New Testament, all the promises of God rest upon His Son, Jesus. And today you can receive Him today. I want you to pray this prayer after me. If you've never prayed this prayer, say, Dear Lord Jesus, I ask You this morning to come into my life, to forgive me of my sin." to give me a brand new future. Be the Lord of my life today. In your wonderful name. Amen. You know, today if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to encourage you to send us an email. And we'd love to send you a Bible. You know, the things that I preached about today will come out of the Word of God. Maybe today you've rededicated your life to God and encourage you to get connected back in the church. And once church can reopen, we'd love to meet you and connect you with you again. And if you want to know more information, then maybe DM us or, you know, send us an email. That will be absolutely fantastic. Again, church, come on, let's zoom out. Amen. Let's get not locked in, but zoom out about what God has done. And just maybe any frustration that you're dealing with right now, it could be part of actually drawing something out of you that God is going to use in the future. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.